listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast, the podcast for coaches, leaders and academics who are interested in translating research into practice. Each episode, I discuss a brand new piece of cutting-edge research and translate the findings with suggestions of how you can incorporate the research into your practice. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca J. Jones. Now, on with today's show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Academic Podcast. It's my pleasure to be joined again by Dr. Holly Andrews. Hi, Holly. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And today we also have another guest. So I'm really pleased to welcome Dr. Julia Carden. Julia is one of our associate tutors at Henley Business School, and Julia was also one of my PhD students. So, Julia, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, and I'm looking forward to talking about my research. Great. This is actually the first of two episodes that we're going to be sharing with you. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about one of Julia's papers. And this was actually the first piece of research that she conducted for her PhD. And the paper is called Defining Self-Awareness in the Context of Adult Development, a Systematic Literature Review. And it was published in the Journal of Management Education. So before we get into the details of this paper, Julia, maybe it would be good to hear from you what made you decide to do a PhD and in particular, why did you decide to research this topic of self-awareness? I think I asked that question many times during the PhD. Why am I doing a PhD? The initial interest stemmed when I was doing my master's in coaching. I really enjoyed the research side of it. And because competence is a really important value of mine and wanted to be a competent coach it was more about what's the psychology behind coaching what's the evidence that underpins it so that really sparked the interest and like all these journeys we work on ourselves and way back when I was told at school I wasn't an academic so there was a little bit of something to prove so that's really why I started doing the PhD and and if I was to really delve deep, it was probably that latter reason. Most most of all, I had something I had to put to bed. Mm. And why self-awareness? Well, I'll talk a little bit more about it in relation to coaching practice. But self-awareness had been something that I'd been interested in when I was working as a an assessor, designing and running assessment and development centres. Often one of the competencies, and they did describe self-awareness as a competency, which maybe we'll come back to, is that they included it. So we just put self-awareness down with no definition, but, you know, we'd be running assessing delegates against self-awareness. So that interested me. And then when I was doing my coaching master's, I realised that working on my own self-awareness was which was what was deepening my practice more than some of the other things we were doing. And so I became really interested in it. And I believed as I started the process that self-awareness is vital to be an effective coach. Mm, Great. The first of these papers that we're going to talk about, I probably should say, Julia, to start with that you did a PhD by publication. So you were publishing papers uh, rather than just writing one big thesis. But we're going to talk about 
your first paper, which, as Rebecca said, was a systematic literature review. So it would be great for you to tell us a little bit about what a systematic literature review is and, and why you undertook this as the first paper. So a systematic literature review is really very much that. It's a systematic way of sifting through the literature to answer a specific research question. And there is a number of defined processes where you have some criteria that you use to search and you you literally search the databases in a very systematic way. And there is literature on how to do a systematic literature review. Why did I end up doing this? Because most PhDs and most restart search starts with the literature review. And I came into this thinking, everybody talks about self-awareness. It's going to be defined. And I'm then going to think about how is it defined for coaching. But it became very apparent that it was not being well defined in the literature. And in fact, sometimes it was talked about and not defined at all. It was just a term and a, a buzzword to be used. And then when I also noticed it was getting very confused with other terms like self-knowledge and self-consciousness so I decided if I could really systematically go through all the literature it would help me really get to a clear definition of what self-awareness is. Mm. I'll just add in here because as Julia's supervisor I remember as we were working on this project uh, really challenging Julia actually because she she came back with the initial results of the review and identified the number of definitions she managed to find. And it was really shocking to me that that was actually so few because it's such a commonly used term that you just assume, or I assumed, that there would be lots of definitions that we mm. could then look at and dig into and, and understand. And actually, we find the opposite to be true. And it was almost the frequency, uh, the way that the term is used in kind of common language meant that a lot of people didn't feel that it was necessary to uh, define it. And actually, that can be really problematic from both a research perspective and a practitioner's perspective, which I think is one of the reasons that Julia really wanted to explore mm. this topic. So it's really yeah. taken for granted that, you know, we know what self-awareness is. Completely. And I mean, even when the literature mentioned it and they might have done a one sentence definition and they said, oh, it includes things like values and beliefs or strengths and weaknesses. But then they didn't define what they meant by values. And as we all know, there's multiple definitions of that alone. And just to illustrate Rebecca's point, the initial search generated 442,290 papers that mentioned self-awareness, self-consciousness or self-knowledge within the context of adult development. But we actually only had 31 to analyse, to, to really code with regards to what self-awareness is. So that's how few actually defined it. Wow. So what, what's the process then, Julia? How do you get from over 400,000 down to 31 papers? Yeah. So with Rebecca's support, we came up with some very clear inclusion criteria and exclusion criteria. So they had to have some sort of definition, even if it was a one or two sentence definition of the term. It had to be within the context of adult development. So some of them talked about self-awareness in relation to drug abuse or mental illness or 
child development but so it had to be adult development that had to be at one or two centers at least hopefully more they had to be in journal articles that were peer-reviewed so they were academically sourced journals and we included some other literature so like conference papers but again they had been peer-reviewed and also they had to be in English because we, we were only English speakers so I could I dismissed some papers there so the 442,000 mentioned the terms but didn't define them so it was only when we got into them that we really define them and then some of them had the same definition twice you know they used the same definition so that's how we did it but it was purely through going through that inclusion criteria and sticking really rigidly to that that sounds like a huge amount of work (laughs) yeah it was it took ages it's always a massive commitment doing a systematic literature review because it is a lot of kind of donkey work isn't it just literally going through each paper and checking them and discarding a lot and then when you finally kind of find one in that big pile and you you're able to include it then you can actually code for that and then do some analysis but before you get to that point there is just a lot of reading checking off papers it's yeah it's very time consuming (laughs) I do think this highlights the problem with the construct day because if you put self-awareness into any of the databases including google scholar you know there's thousands and thousands of hits on it and often they're just mentioning the construct but nobody really discusses what it is and i think that also is a problem for us then as practitioners when people say oh, you've got to develop your self-awareness nobody really knows what it is um, and it's not just in the context of coaching, you know, it's leadership development um, and other management education as well. So, yeah. That's a, a really interesting point that we we never really elaborate on that. So hopefully, Julia, you can enlighten us a little bit after off the, off the back of all this work. What did you actually find about how we can define uh, self-awareness? Yeah, I suppose I just want to step up a couple of levels before we get into that first. Well, I think half the problem is we don't, when we look at the terms self and awareness separately, they're also constructs with multiple meanings. So that's the first thing to know. And also the early seminal writing, there was a book on self-awareness. It was actually called Objective Self-Awareness in 1972 by Duval and Wickland. And they actually described it as an aversive state, so a negative state of mind. And they saw it as negative because it said it would lead to rumination on on perhaps why we're not good enough or or why we can't do something. And it would cause us to get caught up in this negative thought process. And I do wonder if that's what stopped people writing more about it, uh, because of that's how it was sort of set up initially in, in the literature. But then later writing writing talks about being reflective and it being a positive, so Trapnell and Campbell. And I think that's when it changed. So I think the first thing is it's a really positive thing to be doing. So I just wanted to highlight that because I think the writing has switched from this aversive negative state to something that's positive to be doing. I think then getting into some of the granularity of the question you asked, I came up with 
a hierarchical diagram, which you can see in, in the paper. And the first part of that is what are the components of self-awareness? What are the layers of it? And they were divided up further into intrapersonal components. So things that are just about us, focusing in on self completely. And then interpersonal components, which is about how I might engage with other people. So there were two layers to it there. The findings also talked about how we can be self-aware and then also what the purpose of self-awareness is to us. And that really helped with all of that uh, analysis, helped me clarify what was the difference between self-awareness, self-consciousness and self-knowledge. Yeah, I'm just looking at the diagram, Julia, to say, mm-hmm. take something that, like we said, we just take for granted as we know what it is. It, suddenly it becomes obvious just how vastly complex this idea of self-awareness is I'd say multi-dimensional and multi-layered what for you are the are the key things that are helpful for people to know about this kind of multi-dimensional construct of self-awareness I think really getting granular with the components so the components of for example, without going into all of them, because we'd be on a very long podcast if we talked about them all separately. But the intrapersonal ones around which I came up with beliefs and values, internal mental state, which is both cognitions and thoughts and feelings and emotions, physiological responses, our personality traits and motivations, you know, what's motivating us. I think you know, having that diagram in front of me as a practitioner is really making me think, what do I need to develop? What do I need to pay attention to? Because I was happily going along, particularly after my master's, when I started thinking about this topic, thinking, oh, I am self-aware. I'm developing it all the time through my coaching supervision and my reflective practice. But, you know, I wasn't paying enough attention to every single one of those components and perhaps it's making me tune in, in my reflections now. What was coming out from me in this coaching session? What is coming up for me? And it's almost like a checklist. Am I being self-aware? Am I deepening my practice? And for example, my coaching supervisor now is a somatic expert to really make me think about the physiological responses I'm having. Because that was one thing I, I don't think I was paying enough attention to or honouring enough. So I think for coaching it's important to really check in against all those components even if you think you're being self-aware then you might actually be missing Definitely. quite a lot yeah yeah because give them all equal weight yeah sorry Rebecca no that's all right I was just going to say that I think we do as you've highlighted there already we often have a tendency or a preference to so for example I know that I'm quite cognitive I think I'm quite aware of my thoughts but then I'm often less aware of perhaps my emotions and certainly my physiological reactions as well. And, and sometimes what I've noticed when I do pay attention to say a physiological reaction, I might notice it and I'm not quite sure why I'm feeling like that. So I have to really dig into mm-hmm. it and, and say, oh, I can feel some kind of anxiety in my gut, but I don't really know why, because on a cognitive level, <laughs> everything seems fine. So I think that that's, Another thing to for us to be aware of that we've got preferences and places that we might go more naturally, but actually it's important to pay attention and maybe even more important to pay attention to these uh, more neglected sites. Yeah, definitely. 
I really like the interpersonal side of it as well. And this highlights that we can use others' perceptions and looking at other people's behaviours as well, can't we, to learn about ourselves? Definitely. And also, I think this is also the inherent challenge with self-awareness. And, you know, I remember somebody asking me early on in my research, another academic said to me, self-awareness or hubris? Mm. you know self-awareness or self-deception and what because obviously you know you have to stop somewhere with your PhD research but I think I'm thinking about who decides we're self-aware who assesses we're self-aware and then when we think about uh, other others perceptions of us mm. how how do they rate our self-awareness and, and is that appropriate I haven't got an answer to all, all these questions but I think this is the challenge of it so it, I think the other question for me is when I'm thinking about my own self-awareness as a coach is I'm checking on all the interpersonal components. I can check in self on the interpersonal. But for me, the interpersonal question I'm asking myself is, am I being delusional? Mm. Have I really checked in on this? And I think that's that's the challenge here as well, because we never really know what somebody else is thinking about us. Mm. And as you know, with coaching feedback, because we've been around how do we evaluate coaching, most coaches say, oh, yes, you've been wonderful because <laughs> they have a wonderful experience. They've never been listened to like that. So it's that's the real challenge there, really, I think, for us to keep mm. checking in. But with that, others' perceptions in mind of us, how can I stop being self-delusional? Yeah, great. So that links on to my um last question for you really which is you talked a little bit about how we might be able to use the the components as a checklist when we're thinking about our own self-awareness but what would your recommendations be for what coaches or leaders or other um, practitioners could do differently based on your findings so how might we be able to use these findings to improve our practice first of all really get clear on what the construct is really get to understand what it is and and get that clear in your own mind because um, I know we're going to talk about the other research papers in in the next podcast but I think you think you're developing it but if you don't know what the construct is how are you really developing it so I think that's the very first thing is get clear on it and so as practitioners maybe get the paper out it's very academic but maybe just turn to the bit on how how to define it and what the definition is and get clear on that and then then think about what have I done so far what do I still need to do here and this is where I think coaching supervision is really helpful because this is where we can take it to our supervisor and get them to feedback how we're coming and showing up in our supervision against these components and that's what I think has been really helpful for my own practice. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Julia, so much for joining us and sharing um, the findings of your paper with us. I know I really enjoyed supervising you on this project and learning so much about this important topic that, as you've mentioned, we just really didn't think about in the level of detail that I think we probably need to. So it was a big learning curve for me as well. So thank you both. Thank you, Holly. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed learning a bit more about self-awareness. I feel entirely less self-aware at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the problem, isn't it? When part of learning is we first of all have to realise how little we know about something we've mm. thought we knew lots about. <laughs> 
And um, thank you, Julia. Thank you very much for having me. Great. So we'll see you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Coaching Academic Podcast. If you're interested in reading my research, sponsoring the show, or in hiring me as a researcher, coach, or speaker, check out my website, www.rebeccajjones.co.uk. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review in iTunes and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a question you'd like me to answer in a future show, then please get in touch via my website. Finally, you can connect with me on Twitter at coach underscore research. Thanks for listening.